Hey everybody, before the intro here, I need to remind everyone we're doing the world's largest off-road giveaway for free entry uh, starting January-ish, 1st-ish, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, you guys are not going to want to miss this. This is going to be a product that is a little bit unknown, but it's probably just going to blow everybody's mind what we're, what we're giving away. Uh, how to enter and all that fun stuff will be on our Facebook. So if you're not on there already, make sure you go like the page and don't miss this giveaway. It's going to be huge. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's been a little while. Um, super stoked to be back, super stoked to have a really cool guest on today. Uh, that's my phone. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by WeBuyRides.com. WeBuyRides is basically a one-stop shop where you know that you can get the most competitive offer on your vehicle. They specialize in 4x4 diesel trucks and Highline vehicles. That's WeBuyRides with a Z dot com. Now, before you take your car to a third party vendor like CarMax or anything like that or Carfax, whatever it is, uh, give WeBuyRides a try because they'll make you a real cash offer that can also be used as a trade in on one of the current vehicles that they have there. Uh, it's really a win win. It doesn't hurt you to get another quote for your car where you could possibly get the most money possible. Um, the customer service with the guys that uh, we buy rides, uh, in my all my interactions with them, they've been really, really good to me. They are great on communication. They respond very quickly. They're very fair in their offers. Um, everything that I've seen so far has been really, really great with them, and I'm really glad that they've stepped on board. That's www.webuyrides.com. Uh, next sponsor for the show is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road has been with the show since the beginning and I'm super stoked about it because their customer service is literally unmatched by anybody. So much so that all Infinite Off-Road products, that's lighting, that's whips, pods, wheel rings, rock lights, light bars, pretty much everything else that they have and they just have launched a new series of those products, uh, like a new line of those products, which I have on my RS1. Um, all of those products are backed by a 25 year, you break it, they fix it, warranty, no questions asked, even covering accidental damage. Um, I'm super stoked, man. I'm super stoked that they're on board all the time. I ran a set of their pods. I was talking to a guy on Facebook today about their pods. Um, they're super effective. They're super clean. I even ran most of my race with only one pod. I think it was 40 watts per pod. Uh, and I really only needed my headlights and the pod itself. Gave me plenty of wide pattern and plenty of spotlight all built into the same light. Uh, and the pod's super small. The plug and play wiring harness was very easy to use. I wired it up in the freezing cold in about 15 minutes. Um, it was awesome. I really have nothing but positive things to say about my interactions. Um, that's www.infiniteoffroad.com. You can find them on Facebook at Infinite Offroad. And they actually offer all Racing on the Rocks listeners a 10% off the entire website with code R-O-C-K-S rocks at uh, checkout. Really, really, really good guys to do business with. Where price meets quality, uh, it's the perfect place. You're not going to pay outrageous, rigid prices, but you're not going to get cheap Chinese junk, man. Uh, again, the pods that I got compared to the light bar that I bought from Mike when he first opened up shop, uh, just the technology has gone so far from what it used to be. So uh, really great company to check out. And again, one-stop shop with an unbeatable warranty. 
All Things UTV is also our last sponsor of the show. All Things UTV pretty much takes care of everything else that Infinite Off-Road doesn't. That's RS1 diffs, RS1 diff with a weld-in plate. That's axles, uh, beast differential build kits, uh, doors, bags, tender springs. Their tender springs actually make that uh, make your stock uh, setup that normally isn't working. You know, there's a whole argument uh, about what the tender spring is actually supposed to do on especially Polaris vehicles. But what the Tender Spring Razor Aid Tender Spring Upgrade Kit allows you to do is it allows your, you to turn your shocks into an actual dual rate system. And if you want to go ahead and have a fully more customizable system, they offer a Cloud 9 kit for all the Walker Series shocks. Um, absolutely awesome upgrade. Uh, I run a full spring kit on my own car, and it was one of the best upgrades that I could have had. I mean, seriously. It just really changed the whole ride of the vehicle. So I know for a fact that the Cloud9 kit will be just as valuable to you. Um, they carry everything else, performance for the engine, performance for the driveline, drive drivetrain, drive shaft, everything that you can think of. Basically, all things UTV is your one-stop shop. Also, with the single best deals on tires and wheels, and I think they're doing some kind of crazy special right now, like $6.95 for a set of 32-inch sticky Rockzilla shipped to your door. Uh, that's free shipping. That's bonkers, man. You're never going to find a price like that probably again. Um, so nothing but positive things to say about their customer service and communication as well. All Things UTV on Facebook and Instagram and allthingsutv.com. All right, fellas and ladies. Uh, today on the show, we have Jonathan Shepard, fabricator, owner of Skinny Pedal Fab, um, driver of Hater Maker, the buggy, has experience all across the board, uh, and he's a really, really great guy to talk to. Enjoy talking to him today. Uh, we've already are in the works for our next episode, so can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to say today and uh, who he's going to call out and how he's going to put everything on the line this season. So uh, without further ado, Jonathan Shepard, everybody. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. This call is now being recorded. Jonathan Shepard, welcome to the show. What's going on, Jesse? How are you, bud? Man, I am. Uh, I'm doing all. I'm doing absolutely great. Uh, I have had, you know, it's been Christmas week. You've made some time for me here. I went back to work after Christmas and really didn't get much of anything done. So it's been a pretty slow week for me. Um, how about yourself? How are you doing? Oh, doing great, man. Doing great. Good. Uh, good. Staying busy. Yeah, yeah. It seems like this has just been the busiest season in my life ever. The past six months have been, and it feels like it's been that way for everybody as well. For sure. Well, cool. Um, well, we'll just go ahead and jump right into everything. Uh, so I kind of, we talked a few minutes before uh, we started recording, but I don't really know like a whole lot about you. Um, or I know a little bit about your work and some things that you've built and things like that, but um, let's just start from kind of the ground level here. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself outside the off-road world. You know, uh, you got family, what do you do for a living, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I got a wife and a little girl. Uh, my wife's name's Heather, and a little girl, she said, and her name's Piper. Um, I uh, I do commercial stainless steel welding. Wow. Uh, mostly in uh, restaurants, hospitals, food grade stuff, stuff like that. That's pretty uh, cool. 
I've so, been doing that most of my life. That's that's so I'm assuming that the you know, obviously that's not the uh the easiest form of, you know, fabrication, welding. That's probably a pretty, you know, honed in skill there. Uh yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty unforgiving. It's gotta be, gotta be it's gotta be pretty dead on. You don't get much uh slack when it comes to inspecting it and and stuff like that. Yeah, so uh let me ask you this: Is is your little girl is she into the off road world? Because I've got a six year old and I'm trying to pull her into everything, but I'm not sure exactly how to get it done. Oh yeah, man, she loves it. Um, we've actually, me and the wife, has been trying to find stuff. You know, you always try to find stuff for your kids that to get them into that they enjoy. And we've tried dance and uh, gymnastics and all that kind of stuff. And she seems to. Uh, hover towards driving stuff. She loves driving. Anything she's got a gas pedal on the steering wheel, she enjoys doing. So, Man. She, uh, she really does enjoy it. So, do you guys have her like a, a car or a little one of those 170 razors or something? Uh, she's got a couple little four wheelers and uh, little dirt bikes. Uh, once ever my if my life ever slows down, I'm going to try to build her a little uh, little mini rock bouncer. I've seen a lot of guys been doing that. I think it's pretty neat how they're yeah the kids involved that way. Have you seen that Sub Zero buggy? Oh yeah, yeah. I follow him on Facebook. It's 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 really awesome that he uh he's out there doing that for his little boy like that. Yeah, man, that's one of the coolest things I've, I've seen. And for those who don't know, it's it's basically, I mean, it's a it's it's like half half a scale for a regular size rock bouncer, maybe even somewhere you know a third or something like that. And uh, doesn't it run on like thirty five inch uh, rocks or Maxxis Rockzillas? Yeah, I think that's what he's running now. A lot of them guys put like uh foiler motors and stuff like that, like eight hundred and fifty CC foiler motors and little Toyota axles, samurai axles. It's uh they're pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I've I've thought about trying to do something for my, my little girl, but at the rate she's growing, she'd be out of it pretty quick. But uh Yeah. We'll just we'll just kinda keep going. Uh so talk to me about skinny pedal fab. What is it? How did it start? How are you involved? What is that what does all that kind of mean? Uh, I mean, it, it kind of started, I bought a, I bought a Razor back in 09, an 800S, and, uh, man, we just, just rode and had a good time, and I started seeing a lot of things that could be improved, and, uh, I just started building stuff for myself. Uh, I never really have advertised anything. Every product that I've sold or designed has kind of been just pretty much for myself and never had the intention of selling or anything like that, and just kind of... In the off-road community, word of mouth, and next thing you know, I got people wanting stuff, and that's kind of, the rest is kind of history, just kind of, I still don't advertise to this day, it's kind of, I like being word of mouth, um, yeah. that's kind of the way, you know, you get serious people when you do that, so. Yeah, so let me ask you, you know, you said that you, you do the aluminum welding kind of as your primary job, but... How much time is dedicated to skinny pedal fab? Because you built some pretty outrageous vehicles here, and they've got, that's got to be time consuming. Oh man, I, there was a time I, I've kind of slowed down on it some here lately. Um, <laughs> but uh, there was a time, and I'd work, you know, twelve, thirteen hours a day at regular job, and then I'd work till, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning in the shop, just you know, working on buggies and. I've always been pretty selective of what I work on, so it's not too off. I don't slam myself with a lot of work, but mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a lot of time for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I think that your reputation precedes you. Um, leading up to this podcast and leading up to when I reached out to you, um, I, you were a name that constantly came up when I put out, you know, who, who's next on the show? Who do you guys want to hear from? Um, your name was always thrown into that hat. So obviously your work speaks for itself here. Uh, and that's it's, it's, what's so funny is when I reached out to you, you're like, oh, man, you're getting famous people on here. You know, it's just little old me. And I was like, man, I, I don't think you understand how uh, your reputation goes a lot further than I think you realize. I don't know about all that, but uh, I try to portray myself pretty good and put out good products and, you know, just try to be a good name for the for the community. Uh, yeah. I can. So let's talk about, um, you know, obviously you built a full-size rock bouncer here recently. Um, you have built – well, let me ask you this. That's, that's, this is a big question that I personally have. Is it, uh, is, it, is it Cash's last name? How do you pronounce that? LaCroix. LaCroix. Okay, I've heard Lee Croy. I've heard LaCroix. I've heard everything in the book, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. someone's got to know how to say it right. Um, how how are you how are you guys like intertwined? Because I know you do a lot of a lot of work for them. Um, how does how do you guys know them? Are you guys family friends or what's up? Uh, I met uh, Cash's dad, John, at a, an event. Oh Lord, I don't know. Time flies. It's probably been. <laughs> Three or four years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, it was actually at uh, Rush Off Road, and man, we just kind of headed off. Uh, they're good people, um, and I loved how he had uh, he was getting cash into the sport, and mm-hmm. um, I just I really liked that. And he asked me questions, and I answered them right, and we just kind of headed off. And next thing you know, I built him a buggy this year um, that he's going. Debut in 2020, an endurance buggy. Uh, yeah, I saw it. Pretty, at, uh, pretty, pretty cool. Man, I'll tell you, and that's that's one of the main reasons I wanted to get on is because I wanted to learn more about that myself. Um, so I raced endurance at the AOP race, and uh, I saw that thing sitting out there, and then I saw the video online. That thing looks like a spaceship. Like it looks like an like a F1 or F18 fighter pilot cockpit in there. That's awesome, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I've always my goal is always trying to make stuff look fast, sitting still. So that's I, a really uh, awesome mentality. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's a. I, you know, it's funny. I've never heard a fabricator or any designer or anybody that I've ever talked to say that before, and I think that that's a really awesome way to have design in mind. That's really cool. Um, but moving on, because uh, we'll kind of loop back to that, and I want to talk a little bit more about it. You know, when you started building stuff you know you said you got a razor what was the what was the first big leap into into fabrication that you really took a jump into in terms of the off-road world did you start building a cage for yourself or was it straight to the chassis or was it bumpers what what, what kind of got your foot in that door man i've been tinkering with fabricating forever like i man one of my first vehicles uh that i actually built was a 1960s willie's pickup whoa uh i built that in a little bitty shop with I mean, minimal tools, um, you know, sitting on 44s with a 350 in it. And, you know, just I was young, probably 17. Um, that was, like, pretty much the first full-on thing. Um, throughout the years, I've been into cars. I've built drag cars. Uh, um, and I've had big trucks. And then, like I said, uh, in 2009 was when I got into the Razors. And um, I'm from I'm from North Carolina, so... I'm okay. pretty close to the, I'm pretty close to the coast, 
and uh, we're it's not a lot of hills here, so we played in the mud. And then I guess it was probably 2013. I guess I went to RBD, uh, mm-hmm. Ricky Berry's first Ricky Berry's birthday. It was my first uh, event that I ever went to, and uh, I was hooked, man. I built a really? uh, I built the I built a tube chassis. I turned my 800 into a tube chassis and put an Apex motor in it. So mm-hmm. I, I would say that was my first big uh, leap into the industry today was that back in 2013. Man. So let me ask you this just for listeners. Is is RBD something that's worth going to? I know they, they used to have it, I think, in a different park, but this year it was at Hawk Pride. Um, did you go this year? I did not make it this year. This is uh I didn't make it this year or last year. I unfortunately just too busy, but uh it man it's great. Uh it was it used to be at Morris Mountain, uh and then That's it moved it uh it it was there for years and then it moved to Busset Knuckle and then the past two years it's been at uh uh Hawk Pride. So but gotcha. yes, man, uh it's a great Ricky's a really, really good uh good guy. Good he's a good name in the in the sport. Uh it's a it's a really good time. Well, cool. Um, I want to get Ricky on the show at some point, but just a matter of getting everybody on the schedule knocked out. But uh, moving on, uh, let me ask you this. Let me just pick your brain right out of the gate here. Which one is better, driving, racing, driving, trail ride? Okay, we'll, we'll actually break this question up. If you're going to race, bouncer versus a side-by-side buggy, what what is which one's your favorite and why? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good question. There, man, is so many ways to answer this. Um, if you're strictly want to race, I'll, I'll answer it a couple different ways. If you strictly want to race, now you got two different kinds of racing. If you want to heel kill, which is what I prefer, I would say a big bouncer is the only way to go. Okay. Uh, in my opinion, um, I, it's just, it's, I did both and that's what I like the most. Um, as uh, far as uh, the endurance stuff is kicking off really hard, I haven't mm-hmm. done it. I've uh, co-rode with some people, and it was a blast. Um, uh, so that's definitely an option out there. Um, but as far as hill killing goes, it's a, a big bouncer's hands down the way to go. Okay, okay. So with that, uh, if you're going trail riding, you want, you want a razor or you want a bouncer? Uh, it depends on the park. Okay, so, so so tell me, what's the best part to go ride in a bouncer? I would have to say Harlan, Kentucky. Really? Yes, hands now, down. Does that uh, connect? That's... Go ahead. I, I, hands down, that's the best park on the East Coast, as far as I'm concerned, for a big buggy. Now, does that connect to Windrock? Is it like Windrock in the sense that it's this big, massive acreage? Uh, no, it does not connect to Windrock. Um, it's I think, well, Black Mountain, which is in Harlan, that's the park you ride on. I think it's 7,000 acres. Wow. Um, and, of course, there's little, what you call outlaw trails that branch off, like razor guys and stuff like that. But as far as big buggies, it's about 7,000 acres. Man, that's so much space. It's, oh, yeah. That's wild. All right, uh, best park to go trail riding in a in a razor? Uh I would probably say on the East Coast, I would probably say uh, I really like Mine Maid, um, that area. It's really taken off. 
uh, just you can really put you can really put the miles in. I'm kind of mm-hmm. over the super beating on your razors. I like putting some miles in, and uh, that's a it's a really cool place to go. Would you uh, so you know? Here's a good kind of cross here. Um, Hubert Rowland from Nitro Circus does these you know long distance adventures. I think the last one, I'm not sure if he actually ended up doing it, um, but he had one where he was going to ride from AOP all the way up to Brimstone uh, in Razors, and I think it was going to take four or five days, and he was going to go, uh, I think, all the way up into Kentucky when it was all said and done. Um, is that the kind of thing that you're, you'd be interested in doing? Oh, it'd be awesome. Uh, it, just finding the times to issue with that. But, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. A lot of them, uh, I'm more close to this side of the country. So, I mean, you got a lot of part, uh, part, uh, spearhead and, mm-hmm. you know, of course you got the West Virginia outlaw trails and the Hatfield mm-hmm. McCoys and, and all that stuff is, it's gradually starting to connect. So it, it mm-hmm. makes it fairly easy to do, um, to get to other places, but, uh, time's definitely a factor with that. So how does Hatfield McCoy compare to a uh, Windrock? I, I use Windrock as kind of like the measuring stick because, you know, it's so popular. A lot of people have been there for a bunch of different reasons. Um, so it's easy to kind of compare to. But how does Hatfield McCoy compare? Um, Hatfield McCoy is only UTVs and ATVs. No big, no big buggies. Um, it's a really – if you just want to go ride and, like I said, put miles in, uh, look at the scenery, um, be out in absolutely the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really good place to go. Um, I mean, you're really one with nature out there. I mean, it's, it's just, there's nothing there. There's barely any gas stations. It's just, it's, I mean, it's really cool, but, uh, yeah. it's just, it's not, not a lot of hard stuff, just a lot of cool, just, I mean, like I said, mostly sightseeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Um, so let's talk about your experience, uh, racing because, you know, you have taken off this year. Uh, what's the name of your rock bouncer? Hater maker. Hater maker. I like it. All right. So I saw it at the uh, Nashville Unlimited Off-Road Expo last year, um, and I actually yep. got a chance to look in there. Man, that thing is just awesome design. Seeing it in person, you know, uh, looking at pictures online doesn't do it any justice. Just seeing it in person. And uh, I feel I think I met you at the Adventure Off-Road uh, Pro Rock race. But I'll tell you, man, that cockpit in, in your buggy is small. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know how. Like, I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but man, I I felt. I remember looking at myself, going, "Man, I would know I would never go anywhere. Like, if I ever were in this and rolled over or anything, I'd be perfectly safe because I'm not going anywhere because you don't have anywhere to go." <laughs> That's right. Man, That's I right, learned. Man. I learned, and I learned years ago. Well, for myself personally, um, mm-hmm. the the closer everything is to you, uh, as far as steering wheel shifters and pedals and everything if you can get it really close to you the more comfortable you feel uh so i build a lot of my stuff really really tight and plus uh hater makers a two-seater i want to build a two-seater so i can still trail ride it um and you know have a passenger so that that made it a little bit smaller but yeah she's pretty tight in there yeah yeah now speaking of trail riding your bouncer you know i I, (laughs) excuse me um uh matt myrick busted knuckles on this big you know uh trail ride revolution, you know, make trail riding great again type thing. Uh, You guys doing any trail riding in the bouncers? Because I I don't see that much anymore like we used to, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, I haven't done it a lot. Like I said, uh, I've just built this buggy. I raced it last season, and then 
Uh, I haven't done them. I've been twice in it, but uh, definitely going to start doing a lot more. Um, like I said, the problem with the trail run with the bouncers, it's you got to you kind of get to get a group of people together, and mm-hmm. that's you know it's hard. All all those guys work a lot, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to be able to afford this stuff. So it's hard to uh, find the time to get a bunch of people together. But uh, it's definitely, I would say, trail riding is. I mean, it it ranks way up there, especially if you get with the right group of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about uh, the buggy design. Obviously, it's a uh, sharp-looking buggy. It's got the bells and whistles. Um, everything's pretty much, you know, the, the, the standard has been set for what makes uh, a buggy excellent and what makes a buggy competitive, and you have all those things on your buggy. Um, I want to talk about the design of it. I'm just scrolling through your Skinny Piddle Fab Facebook here. Um, you built a... It's a one-seater razor buggy. Oh, it looks like you built it here. Uh, that kind of looks like a missile. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's uh, yeah. It looks. I'm trying to think. Is there a name for it? Uh I don't know which one it is. I've built a couple. Uh, that that's probably the one that. Uh, that's probably. Uh, what's the name of that one? Uh, Jeremy Blythe now owns that buggy. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's uh. It's you built it. It's got you got a picture of it here in 2018. Um, yeah, I remember. Yeah, so I've actually seen that buggy race. I saw it race at AOP a couple times, and uh, when I saw it, I thought it was really cool because um, you built something that was totally different from the you know razor sharp customs you know kind of standard razor buggy that we see a lot more nowadays. Um, right. I thought it was really really cool, and I can see a lot of those stylings that you put on that buggy in your big buggy. Yeah, I think all I think every builder has their own little thing um and it follows throughout every build that they ever build um like i try not to but it's just kind of i mean it it's kind of like in your who you are you know um yeah i try to build every one of mine different but they always end up being similar in in certain ways um like i said i think that's just you know what the builder's comfortable with and uh it's kind of what in them so. Yeah, there's there's also a lot of, you know, once you get something figured out, like uh, I had uh, a, a guy who's always been really supportive of the show, Zach Nash. Um, he's running a one of your lower kits that you sell. It's kind of like when you get that remedy figured out, uh, why not continue to use that, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, I always been a firm believer if it works, you know, why change it? Mm-hmm. I'm all for push. I'm all for pushing, uh, you know, for new things, but. Um, certain things that they work, there's no need in changing. I don't, I don't see. <laughs> no, I mean, it's kind of one of those things like it's not broke, don't fix it, you know? Right, right. So let me ask you this. Um, I just kind of talked about it a second ago. Uh, you now build lowers. What, what is, you know, if, if that means nothing to somebody who's listening, can you explain the concept of building out a lower and then shipping somebody just the lower frame? Yeah. Um, well, the lower kind of start, like I mentioned, um, Man, I always everything I've ever sell is something that I've personally built for myself, and it just kind of took off. Uh, I built a cup. I built two chassis for my personal self in the beginning, and it was just I, they, I, won't, I won't never a hundred percent happy with them. Um, as far as getting everything exactly where it needs to be, mm-hmm. um, so I sat down and uh, a buddy of mine and we sat down and literally it took us. I don't know. I probably got six months or eight months in just drawing and figuring out everything. Um, I sell a lower for 1,000s turbos, 
uh, razors that uh, it's all laser cut, three six three sixteenths uh, steel, um, and you can. It's kind of like a builder kit per se. Um, mm-hmm. It's it pretty much lands all your geometry, your motor, your front diff, your front control arm, steering rack, uh, transmission, radius rods. Uh, I sell also sell it with um, shock locations so uh wow that's nice uh it's pretty much for somebody that's a builder um it's got a you set your own wheelbase it's built but it just it kind of takes all the guesswork out of it i would say yeah absolutely and and a lot of people that don't know or don't listen uh the the fact that those tabs for the radius rods for I'm sorry for the A arms and the steering rack and on the front diff are all in certain locations that you have figured out because if those if those locations are off by just a little bit man the thing won't steer it won't do anything the way that you want it to it won't drive the way you expect it to and uh, I've been around way too many guys in the early days that had buggies and they just couldn't they wouldn't drive because they were just either the first iteration of something or they were really designed just all together you know. Oh, it's horrible. Um, I mean, you can be off of, you can have your rack placement off uh, a, a eighth of an inch, uh, or even a heck of sixteenth, and you know, one way left or right, and it's gonna throw. I mean, you're gonna get bump steer. You're gonna get. I mean, it's just it's horrible, and that's kind of the reason I done it. Um, because I couldn't ever figure a way. I mean, I built jigs off of brand new frames. I took a brand new frame and built a jig off of it, and it's just. It was still, like, during the process of welding, like, welding the tab on. People don't realize when you weld the tab on it, it wants to deflect and this and that. So I just, I sit down and everything is laser cut, um, CNC bent. Um, you know, it's it's dead on um, as far as geometry goes. It's exactly how players designed it, and that's the way that is. Yeah. So if you're thinking about building a chassis, Please take advantage of something like that. I know, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into it that people just have no idea, and it's a sucky lesson to learn the hard way. Um, oh, yeah. Something else. I'm looking at the chat. You have a picture here. Uh, there's this really cool thing sitting in one of the chassis that you have mocked up on your Facebook, and it's a ram. It's a steering ram. Can you tell me anything about that? Is that information out yet? Because I know that this is still – it looks like I've seen a couple people with these kits. Is that is that new information? Uh, that is, it's actually not new. Um, Cash, Cash Croy was the first to have that. Uh, Ross Pilgreen is the one that, uh, designed the steering. Me and him were working together, um, with the stuff. Uh, we kind of parted ways, but he's actually doing the steering for those. Uh, Cash okay. was the first to have it. Uh, we, Cash was kind of the, uh, how you put it broke the ground on it. He was the guinea pig towards mm-hmm. the whole steering, uh, hydro steering. But yeah, Ross is the one that's uh, doing the steering. Are, is it a big step up, in your opinion, from, like, the standard, you know, steering systems that come stock? Uh, yes. It, okay. It is, for sure. It is. Um, It just, when you talk about it stuff, it just depends on how deep you want, how big you want to get into the sport. Uh, it's not cheap to do. Uh, it's pretty expensive. It, do I think it's worth it? Yes, if you want to be competitive, it is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely not a sport if you don't want to pay to play, for sure. That is a hard, <laughs> right. hard learned lesson for a lot of folks. Right. Um, well, speaking of which, uh, you know, talk, let's go back to this, this custom one seater that you have for the endurance car. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to put a, a post up with it on the, uh, on the Facebook and the Instagram post that'll go up about this. So, uh, people will have an idea of what car we're talking about, but I'm sitting here looking at it. Um, what makes this different from an RS1 other than the fact of the chassis? I guess that's a, that's a broad question, but it's a good place to start. Uh, about the only thing on an RS1 is the ISTE plastic. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a full tube chassis that I built. Um, it's hydro, it's got hydraulic steering that Ross designed. Um, a turbo, it's a turbo drivetrain. Okay. Uh, of course it's got the RS1, RS1 front diff. Um, I mean, it's pretty much it. It's pretty, Pretty much, uh, you know, what you would see, a tube chassis buggy, mm-hmm. but it's just got a RS1 plastics and a shell on it. Uh, gotcha. It's got, I mean, it's got all the best of, of everything. I mean, I, there's really not much factory left on it. Gotcha. Um, let me ask you this. <laughs> you know, it's so funny is I pulled the picture up on uh, it's Cash's Facebook, and the, the top comment on the picture of his of his endurance car is it just says, 2020 Cash be like, and it's Mont Connor McGregor uh, rubbing his fingers together saying, pay up. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, what is the wheelbase on this car? It is 100 and 100. 100 is what it is. 100 flat. Now, is that uh, – I'm that's a little bit longer than the standard 1,000, right? Yes, sir. Uh, standard 1,000 is 90 inches. Okay. Wow. Man, that is awesome. I uh the rock mounter that I had for a while, it was I think 12 inches longer than the stock one and uh that length just makes a world of difference. Absolute world of difference. Uh, yeah, it definitely makes a difference for. Her. I mean, you can always get too long. I think between I th- I think anything over 100 is too long, but I think I feel like in my, you know, experience 100 is a really good wheelbase. Mhm. Now, man, I'm just sitting here looking at this thing, kind of like taking it in. It is—it's seriously a work of art. I'm—I'm uh, I'm really excited to see how this thing turns out and see how the performance of all of it goes. Um, interesting. Um, sorry, you know, I sit on—I sit. I have Facebook open so I can go through everything, kind of have talking points, and and it's so funny. People will message me in the middle of recording, um, and it right. really throws me off. Uh, so you also make a bed delete kit, which is super awesome. Um, does that keep the original size of the bed, or does it make it smaller uh, altogether? It's original size. size. Uh, it just pulls the fenders in about an inch and a half, two inches in the back, but the mm-hmm. bed is the original size. It makes okay. it, so all that stays the same. Cool. That's a big thing that I see, especially um, as someone who does a lot more long-distance riding in has damaged, <laughs> has ruined the rear end and fenders of his razor. Uh, you know, it's one of those things I can't afford to give up, you know, my, my bed whenever I do a bed delete. Essentially, I just need to fix the taillight issue. So it's, right. it's like a really good option there. Well, I mean, the, the plastics for the bed, literally, if you buy all the bed plastic, you can buy my, my uh, bed delete for the same price or less, actually less. And wow. uh, so I just, and you're not going to have the problem of your bed busting up again. Uh, it's all it's all 
like, like, like I said, laser cut, CNC mm-hmm. bent. Um, so you don't have that issue, just busting plastics and. I broke one of the, the piece that comes off over the, over the engine. I broke that with my hands because I was trying to get it off and it just cracked in half on me. So. Yeah, I may be giving you a call <laughs> before too long. But, uh, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll kind of move things back onto you. Um, tell me, you, did you race the entirety of this last season? Uh, I raced all the Pro Rocks events. Yes, sir, I did. Okay, cool. Where was your favorite race this year? Uh, it had to be Rush. I mean, it had to be Rush. <laughs> that was, that was my first, my first race, um, uh, in a big buggy. Um, I debuted zero seat time and went out and uh, took first place. So I'd have to say Rush's was my favorite. That's a hard one to complain about for sure. <laughs> yeah. Man, that uh, that hill too. That was the. That, I'm looking at a picture of you up there. Um, that looked like a really long, not only super steep hill, but it's just a super long hill that they had y'all climbing on. Um, what is your favorite? You know, obviously you mentioned earlier you really enjoy hill killing. You know, if if you got to design the perfect hill, what what does it look like for you? Is it long with loose dirt with rocks in it? What, what kind of tell me what's the perfect hill for you, challenge wise? Or let me ask you this: What are you going to enjoy the most? Uh, all natural. Okay. Uh, I I really <laughs> enjoy nat- nat- natural hills. Uh, to get in depth on it, I I don't like man made stuff. Well, yeah. I race on it. Yeah, I race on it. Uh, but uh, natural hills. Um. Trees on it, ledges. Usually, the harder the better. Uh, really? Not too big. Not too big on the drag racing hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I'll do them. Uh, I still have I still have fun, but uh, natural hills are definitely my favorite. Now, you're you know when you say natural hills, you kind of say that you know man-made hills being like uh fable hill at bikini bottoms like uh there's some stuff at dirty turtle if i'm not mistaken that's man-made um that's what you're referencing right yeah uh anything that they've had i mean a piece of equipment on literally when we first started this stuff you just go out and find a hill and you Mm -hmm. might would cut a tree you might would cut a tree off of it or whatnot but no excavators no bulldozers on it no digging out a big wall or you know um that's my favorite, and but I understand, you know, the, the you got to get where the crowd can see you and mm-hmm. whatnot. But the the good old fashioned hill killing was definitely my favorite. Yeah, you know, I, it's so funny you say that. I don't even I don't even think about the fact that they they have excavators up there and they're you know essentially making the hills harder. Um, I know I saw a post at Windrock about that that they had essentially dug the top out substantially, and I. Again, I agree with you. Like, obviously, the spectators need to be able to watch, but at the same token, I mean, there's hills out there. I talked to DC Thompson, and he was basically like, "Listen, you got to get back in the woods if you want to find these new hills that are hard to climb. They're back in the woods, and, and if people can't watch, I mean, there's a middle ground somewhere." Is basically what he was getting at, and, and the drivers are somewhat getting the short end of the stick. Uh, I agree to a certain extent. Um, they're they're def- if a lot of these people that come to these events all have ways to get to hills. Um, mm-hmm. they didn't just show up in their Honda Civic and you know they're not parking in a asphalt parking lot. They come to an off road park, usually two four wheel or wheel. Um, mm-hmm. so they can get to the the real nasty stuff and get out there to see it. 
but there's a lot that goes into these not taking anything away from these promoters or um mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of these guys don't not understand how much goes into these events there's a lot of there's a lot of work uh that goes into them uh insurance yeah purposes and da 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 the list goes on yeah. so it, it's it's really hard um and then you also gotta go i mean our buggies are getting to the point where it's almost impossible to find a hill that you can't climb right uh so therefore it, it's 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 making it hard uh i think the promoters are really going they got their gonna have their hands full keeping it going with uh you know us because i think we're pushing them faster than they, they could keep up to be honest with you mm-hmm. now I mean, we, you know you say that where does the future go i mean obviously if the machines are out capable or out qualifying on the hills you know where's the future go for the hills i mean what happens next it's time for the promoters to step it up uh like i said we're out here and we're we're building the best of the best and really starting to catch up with technology and uh like i said there's been a few hills that were unclimbable um but in a whole it's really just drag racing uh i really like i'd i'd really like for it to get back i'm I wouldn't really consider myself a racer. I would really consider myself a, a showman. Mm-hmm. Um, if I get on the top box at the end of the day, that's, that's kind of just a bonus. Uh, I like putting on a good show for everybody. That's that's my favorite part about it. And it's hard yeah. to do that on a on a hill that I could I could literally race in thirty five. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I think that you know that complaint has been. Um, that complaint has been voiced kind of more than once. Uh, so, you know, it's it's one of those things where, uh, you know, by no means are we calling anybody out or, or saying, you know, promoters aren't, aren't doing what they need to be doing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, really what it is is my goal is to have a conversation about it so that, you know, everyone can kind of have an opportunity to, to voice how they feel because everything that you've said has, has really been – what what everyone else has said to be honest with you um everyone kind of agrees that it's become a drag race and you know the the other side of that coin is that the promoters uh you know know that you guys are the machines are way capable so they're trying to do something different by running y'all through you know the courses where they loop you back and forth up and down the hills and things like that and i do think that that's a that's a cool idea um but i agree with you uh you know there's got to be I don't want to say like the hidden hills, you know, that, that they just haven't found yet, but, uh, you know, there's got to be something else there to make the hills uh, have a little bit more on the line, I guess is the right way to say that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I get it. Like I said before, it, it's super hard for these promoters. They try to make everybody happy. And mm-hmm. as far as racers, uh, spectators, uh, insurance companies, it's a, it's a lot. Uh, yeah, I know that definitely. They put, they, put in a, they put in a lot to it. Uh, and it's a great sport. I don't, I don't see myself quitting anytime soon. Uh, well, that, just, that's good news. Like I said, I just I hope that you know that that they can keep up with us because the got the builders and the racers and the drivers are they're really bringing it, and I uh, I'm I'm loving it. Good, good. Uh, let me ask you this: knockout racing. How do you? I mean, obviously, we just talked about how drag racing is not your thing, um, but. Uh, Knockout racing, you guys are running. I think you guys were running four machines wide, or, or were the bouncers running two? 
Uh, one year we ran. I didn't race bouncers that year. Okay. Uh, one year they did. One year they did run four wide. Uh, this past year we just did two wide. Okay. Okay. Uh, I love it. I love it. It's it's probably the most adrenaline rush you'll ever get. Oh man, um, I like that. It, yes, it, it's drag racing, but it's when you add another person beside of you with a thousand horsepower and a forty-three inch tire right beside your face, it's it adds a whole new level to it. Uh, the problem is just finding the right places to do it. Yeah, they they ran that that uh, that race that mine made this year, didn't they? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking at the picture here. The hills, you know, it's just basically uh, steep, long dirt hills. But man, that's it's about what you need because I remember a few years back when they ran knockout at AOP, and it was like a war zone. <laughs> Oh, uh, I enjoyed that. I actually raced that in a razor. Uh, that really? Was, I mean, that was that was fun to me too. Uh, I if it's knockout racing, I like it. it. Yeah. I mean, everybody has mixed feelings on it, but I love it. Um, I won't. I don't ever see myself missing one of them. So. <laughs> yeah. No. I I get that. I get that for sure. Uh, another question for you, uh, rear steer. Do you need it to win? Absolutely not. Absolutely, Absolutely. not. You don't need rear steer Absolutely. to win. I like that. Absolutely not. I like that, like, confidence That's in that a, answer. That is another excuse that uh, racers like to use. If you haven't figured out by now, racers love to make excuses. There's always, an, there's always an excuse, but that, that, that's just an excuse. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this. Outside of rear steer, what are some other popular excuses? Oh, man. We could be here all night for this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I got some time. <laughs> uh, I mean, it goes from the, the heels is always a big thing. Well, the heels yeah. too hard, or my buggy's not set up for that, or da 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 da. It, I mean, the list goes on. And that's in any yeah. sport. I, I mean, like I said, I love this sport. I've been in it. I've drag raced. I've been into all of it, and this is hands down my favorite. I'm not not bashing it at all. That 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 goes hand in hand with any sport. There's always going to be complaining, but uh, I don't know. That's I don't. Yeah. I try not to make excuses. We all fall. We all get in the heat of the moment. I'm, I've made a few here and there. <laughs> I'm not going to say yeah. I'm perfect, but yeah. yeah, we all have, man. We all have. Oh yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you too. Um, the suspension on your buggy, it looks like it's dialed in pretty nicely. Are you pleased with the suspension? Oh, I couldn't be any happier. I uh Jake Berkey really helped me out with that. Uh beginning of the year, well, I mean, like I said, I had zero seat time in it. You know, he threw a basic shock tune in there and I went with it. And I loved it until the knockout racing. Uh until uh, the knockout racing mine made and I was just bottom my suspension out and of course I took it back to him and he uh he got it dialed in. I couldn't be more happy with it. I don't. I don't. I won't. I won't change a thing with it this year. Uh, I haven't really? touched it. I cleaned. It, I cleaned it from the last race. I'll probably pull it out maybe a week before the the first race and change fluids and uh, we'll hit it hard first of the, first of the year. Now, are you pretty uh, experienced when it comes to actually doing shock tuning, like making the adjustments on the shock, and like the idea of like like I'm using air quotes here, like shock tuning theory. Like how it all works? Uh, I know how it works. Yes, I do. Uh, I can okay. tell Jake, you know, what I like and don't like. Mm -hmm. Am I a shock tuner? No. Uh, mm -hmm. 
I would say there's a handful of people that are actually shock tuners. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may say they can shock tunes, but I don't, I don't know of many people that can actually truly tune a shock. Yeah, you can yeah. make adjustments, but uh, I, there's there's very few people that can truly believe that they're shock tuners. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get uh, I'm trying to get Shock Jesus on the show, but he's been booked up since King of Hammers, so or oh, Hill wow. King King of Hammers. So uh, I'm trying to get yeah. him on the show because you know a lot of our listeners. Uh, it's so funny, man. People people just downplay the off road community as as being like, you know, for a lack of better words, unintelligent. Um, right. And man, it just blows my mind. Some of the questions I'll get from people about things like shock tuning, about, you know, how do you do this process? Can you explain this process? And I'm like, look, I have no idea. I have just as little idea as you do. And when I get to someone who knows what they're talking about and is experienced and has good knowledge under their belt, like you when it comes to fabrication, you know, you could sit here all night and tell us, you know, if I said, hey, what's the hardest part of building these chassis or what's the hardest lesson that you've learned, you know, you could talk for the rest of the night about something. You could give us precise information. And it's just, it's crazy to me that, uh I don't know, man, the off-road community just gets such a bad rap when it comes to stuff like that. And it really just drives me nuts. Oh, yeah, they do for sure. Uh You just, they think you're a bunch of rednecks. <laughs> Dumb yeah. rednecks, but... When it when it comes to certain things like that, like shop tuning, I mean, it, it's a science to it. Uh, like I said, I built every square, everything on my buggy headers. I mean, the whole the whole nine. Uh, and could I learn to shop tune? I'm not saying I couldn't learn it. Maybe right. maybe I couldn't. Uh, but it's definitely a science to it. It's mm-hmm. more than goes into it than just to wrenching on them. I mean, you have to know what you're doing to to get them right for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that that's a, it's, it's a wise perspective to have to be able to kind of, you know, take a step back and say, hey, I don't have that answer right now, you know? Right. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the future of the off-road community? Off, you, you know, you said you're, you're around for the long haul. You're looking to keep doing this for a while. Um, what do you, where do you think the future of this sport goes? Well, I hope it goes to the top. <laughs> I hope yeah, it's okay, yeah. I, I, I hope it's the number one motorsports in the in the country. Uh, I think. Do I think we got a long ways to go? Absolutely. Do I think we, everybody needs to work together? Absolutely. Um, it's not going to be easy, but do I think it could happen? For sure. When you say everybody needs to work together, I mean, does, are you talking about promotions and things like that working together? Oh, absolutely. Promoters need to work with racers. Racers need to work with racers. Uh, pr- different promoters have to work with other promoters. Uh, yeah, that's that's a big one in my opinion. Uh, there's there's so much that goes into it. Like I said, it's a wonderful sport. Uh, uh, I've met so many people. They're great people. I know you've probably heard it a million times, but it, it is. I've, like I said, I've been in the drag race and I've been in other stuff, and it's nothing compares to the camaraderie of, you know, the off-road community. Uh, but yeah. I think that uh, the bigger stuff gets, the bigger sports get, the more competitive it gets, you kind of start separating some. Um, and that's good because it's always good to, you know, kind of push each other and, you know, have that little grudge or that little rival. But in the in the end, uh, everybody needs to come together and uh, put on a show. I mean, in the end, that's what we do. We put on a yeah. show. Uh, as far as the rock bouncing goes, we we put on a show. We're like a, I, 
I had a discussion with some racers uh, at one of the races this season about about that. Uh, I think it's kind of need to get over your get off you know get off their high horse and realize that we're here to put on a show and have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, I mean, you are racing, but racing is an entertainment sport uh, at the very top surface level there. So I I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this: uh, Do you think that endurance will take over, or or is rock bouncing, you know, the big bouncer hill killing, will it always be the staple of of, of this off road, you know, section of the so the southeast? You know, when you think of southeast, you think of rock bouncers, you think big rocks, big horsepower. Do you think that that will always kind of stay in the forefront, or will the endurance series and the endurance cars gain more traction? Uh, it's they're totally different animals. I mean, they're just two different entities, really. It's, mm-hmm. Like I said, I love the the endurance stuff. I feel like it gives some of the the people at entry level to get in and and do it. But I don't think rock bouncing ever go anywhere as long as the promoters keep doing. Uh, and even if the promoters stop, we'll still we'll still do it. We'll find a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. People, as far as entertainment, it's not uh, – the endurance stuff is just not entertaining. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it fun personally? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But is it fun for people and, I mean, the, the audience? No, nah, it's not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with I that. As, as being a fan of who, who was, you know – my my before my actual experience in the race, you know, it's just kind of hearsay. You hear people enjoy themselves. I'd never ridden with anybody. Um, I had never been around or watched an endurance race. Uh, and you're kind of right because there's not really a way to watch it. And I think that uh, I've talked to Joey just a little bit, and I've talked to some other folks just a little bit on, you know, how do you make endurance visible to the spectators? And uh, there's definitely some ideas being tossed around out there. I think that there's some some good steps that will be taken, but I think that you're exactly right. Until they can kind of figure out how to make uh, endurance racing a spectator sport, then it's gonna it'll always be the selfish form of racing. If that makes any sense. Well, where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, there's definitely ways to make it uh, a spectator friendly. Um, it just it takes a lot. It's going to take a lot of money. It's going to take mm-hmm. a lot of dedication. Uh, and I think, to be honest, it'll have to do. They'll have to do the same for the rock bouncers. Uh, we're in a technology era, you know. Uh, unfortunately, these people, a lot of these people are not going to go to parks and watch us. They want to watch us on TV. Mm-hmm. They 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 don't want to go out there and rough the elements to to see it. Uh, they're missing out. I can say that mm-hmm. because. TV and internet does not do any of it justice whatsoever. I watched it for years and was like, oh, that's cool, until I went to one and then I was hooked. But uh, but unfortunately, I think that if the technology is going to have to, the promoter is going to have to keep up with technology and get it out there to to keep it alive because um, people are not, they don't want to fight the element. Uh, for instance, the, at Rush for Race to Riches this year, man, I was so excited about how the crowd, it was, you know, it was hot and it was dusty and they stuck in there. I was super proud. Rush always puts on a good show and the, the, the people there die hard, but you don't get that at every park and every place in the, on, on the, 
in the country for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, race to riches is a, is a great a great race because you know there's enough incentive that people know you know as a spectator if I were to come watch you know I know I'm going to get a show because there's something on the line for the racers. I know that the hills are going to be harder than normal uh, in terms of you know kind of the bounty style hills and I agree with you. I think that that's a really that race in particular is one where people really won't. You know, it's not a, eh, I think I, yeah, I might try to make it. It's a, hey, it's on my calendar and we're going kind of race. Oh, for sure. I mean, and I think that's why Rush has such a great turnout. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they know if they show up, they're going to get a show because the hills are not easy. Uh, there's going to be carnage. There's going to be a lot of, there's, there's speed. There's, it's going to take horsepower to climb a lot of them hills. And it's, uh, that's the reason they pack out and they yeah. sell out because, like I said, once again, we're we're showmen. We're uh, I would consider us showmen more than racers, uh, and that's what people want to see. They want they want to see carnage. Do I like tearing my stuff up? No. <laughs> but unfortunately, when you step into this game, that's that's part of it. Yeah, I'd be surprised if that answer was yes. Yeah, I mean, I so that's that's just that's just that's part of it, and that and actually that's. Well, by saying yes, I actually do enjoy it because we have built machines unlike any other sport. I mean, you take a drag car, you take a NASCAR, you take any of these other stuff. Once you're wrecked, you're done. <laughs> you go back to pits, you rebuild, and or you you know you take it back to shop and you rebuild, you're done. We flip them, we roll them, and we keep going a majority of the time. And if we do break, it's usually the, the rigs now are so tough. Usually, it's something stupid like a tire or you know a steering arm and usually you can go back to the truck and have it fixed in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool to, to know that you can literally let it all hang out. And if you do crash, you know, it's not the end of the world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this because, you know, it's I always get an interesting answer here. Um, West coast. Have you ever, you ever ridden out there? I have. I've been to King of Hammers four or five times now. So is King of Hammers something? You know, I'm I'm just the I'm the everyday person asking you: Is King of Hammers worth going to? Ah, uh, every question has a couple different answers. <laughs> <laughs> Give yes, it your best, yes, it's, best option. Yes, it's worth going to. I say any of these these events are worth going to at least you know at least one. I mean, it's for yeah. some every. I mean, everybody's got their own opinion on whether you know. Uh, but I think everybody should at least experience King of the Hammers once. Uh, it's definitely a cool experience. It's so many people um, out there, and it's it's kind of crazy. Like you said, they they turn a lake bed into literally a town, mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty it's pretty cool uh, to see. Uh, it's definitely a lot better. I would suggest if you do go to King of Hammers, find a way to get a rig out there, rent rent something because. It's, it's, I, the very first year I went, I, I went with a buddy of mine, and we went out there. We literally flew out last minute, rented a car, drove out, and we had a great time. But it was nowhere near as much fun as it was, the, you know, the after that when we started taking razors and going out there and actually driving around and seeing it and kind of being a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, so what's wheeling like out there? Everybody just says there's traction everywhere. Is there is there anything else that you want to add to that? Uh, it's totally different. I mean, you got, you might be running a hundred across the desert one second, you know, and the next you'll be in rocks the size of Volkswagens, but, uh, there's definitely traction. 
Uh, it's totally different than the East Coast. I mean, you can come, you can crawl. You you can't a lot of stuff nowadays around here. You can't crawl it. Uh, um, not fast. I take that back. You can crawl. You might be able to crawl a lot of East Coast stuff, but you're not going to do it fast. Gotcha. And stuff stuff out there, you can literally. I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy, but you definitely have a tr- traction factor uh, in your hands. But it, it, it's so, it's cool. It's definitely like I said. Somebody should, everybody should experience it at least once. So what do you think of the Ultra 4 cars they build? Because obviously they're building more, and this is obviously going to lead us into the next subject we have here. They're building IFS cars. They're building uh, completely independent cars. Do you think that that technology is worthwhile or it's worth coming over? Is it? Would it be successful over here in the East Coast? Uh, let's start with this. Uh, I kind of know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, Ultra 4 cars... So I ain't gonna say all of them because there's always a you know I, I'm not gonna pump up the West Coast that much. Uh, um, there is right many ultra full cars out that are absolutely works of art. Uh, there's a lot of money, a lot of technology, a lot of smart people that have, are involved in some of them cars. You know the Campbells, and I mean there's they're literally works of art. Uh, just like in any other sport, there's some out there that I wouldn't have. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's uh, as far as IFS goes, it's it's just that's that's all a preference thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that uh, IFS has shine in different areas uh, where a straight axle uh, shines in different places. When you got people like Eric Miller, I mean he runs a yeah. straight axle car. I'll put Eric Miller against any IFS car out there. Um, it's that's what a lot of people don't understand is you get it. It's a lot of based on driver, driver, um, and your build. I mean, you could build an IFS car that flat out don't work, mm-hmm. or you could build a straight axle car that absolutely don't work. Um, do I think a, a IFS car do good on the East Coast? That it's been proven that they do. I mean, there's. There's IFS cars over here that do good. Uh, mm-hmm. The if it goes back like the old days, like the AOP style racing, mm-hmm. I I would not be caught dead in an IFS car. Can it do it? Absolutely. But does I think it'll shine? No. Yeah, I think that those are definitely, and especially parks like Hawk Pride. You know, that's where you would see those cars really having some ground clearance issues, really having just, I mean. Traction issues is the core issue there, but uh, I, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, again, we'll get there. I think that an IFS car in the current races that we're seeing now, where it is more drag race, where it is a lot less technical, you know, big ledges, things like that. I mean, I think an IFS car has a has a pretty good shot at being. Uh, and again, there's an asterisk about what I'm about to say. You know, because it all it does all come down to driver and driver preference. But an IFS car in the races that they raced last year has got a pretty strong chance at being dominant because that's going to lean more towards where that car is going to succeed. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, absolutely, um, right. it, it, it does. Uh, if it's if it's right, it has to be right though. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the big thing about that's the big thing about IFS. It's kind of like goes back to my uh, my chassis kits I sell. I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty much that's IFS. Um, it has to be right. If it's not right, you're a hundred percent wasting your time. Uh, 
versus what a straight axle car, you can get away with. It still has to be right, but there's a, it's a lot less forgiving. Um, yeah. Uh, over an IFS car, mm-hmm. it's just so much that goes in. But I agree 100. percent Uh, the way the 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 stuff has been going the past couple of years, IFS car, it will definitely shine. Uh, but then again, like I said, if you put the right driver in it, it's gonna any car's gonna shine. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, let me ask you this too. While we're before we, you know, well, actually, we'll go ahead and end it and wrap up that conversation. What do you think of Tim Cameron's new IFS car? Shocker, we end up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's uh, it's a bad machine. Um, I'm really happy that he went with somebody that knew what they were doing uh, as far as the front bulkhead. Not taking nothing from Timmy. Timmy's an awesome builder, an awesome driver. He's the best. I mean, it's it, hands down. I mean, can't nobody deny that. Uh, can he be beat? Absolutely. I'm going to do it this year. <laughs> <laughs> My man. I like it. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm glad, you know, everybody's got, their, you know, the limitations. Uh, it's just kind of like me. I'm not shocked to him. You know, that's my limitation. I'm not doing it. Uh, he stepped outside, and I'm happy that he stepped out and outsourced that part of it. Um, so do I think his car will do good? It, yes. I mean, and he'll do good in anything. I mean, he's just a, he's a natural driver, and he'll do he'll do good, you know, in anything he drives. Uh, I think that uh, he's got a – He's he's always the one everybody shoots for, you know. Right, right, so, and it's you know, I mean, uh, it's hard not to, you know, because he he it's kind of been uh, his his game to lose, I guess, is the is if you want to think about it like that. Um, but but it's it, you know it's hard not to, and and I think you know first off, shout out to you for for just going for it, man, and just calling it what it is because uh, something is weird. It's like the it's like the TC effect on other drivers. So like, I just want to go out there and do my best, and and you know. You're not going to win a season going out there and doing your best. You're going to win the season if you're going out there and being a headhunter and you're going to, you're going to get out there and you're going to go, you know, play executioner, leave nothing left on the table, you know? I played it safe this year because it was my first year out. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I played it safe. I wanted just, I wanted to finish and this year is going to be a whole new ball game. I'll either, I'll load it up with the excavator or I'll be standing up there on top. <laughs> One or two. Uh, Man, that's so encouraging. Like, as a fan, that's what I want to hear. Like, sorry about your bank account, but as a fan, I am excited about that. Well, I mean, I mean, it's no need in going out there. And I'm glad there's Timmy's in this sport, you know, Mm -hmm. because if you don't have anything to to look, you know, to strive for, I I really feel it for him. I'm glad that there's someone because it's hard to be up there and, you know, he – He's just trying to keep his title, you know. It's, mm-hmm. He's not having nothing to strive for. I think that's why I commend him for also trying new new things, you know. I mean, he could easily keep a buggy and just keep winning, and you know, he's actually, in my opinion, doing us a favor by building an IFS car because hey, he might not be able to drive it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of gamble in that. You know, he he's out there. He's He's hurt. My opinion, he may be he may be hurting himself, or he may be ten times faster. Who knows? Uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, but I commend him for that, and I'm I'm glad he did it. Maybe uh, 
Maybe he won't know how to drive it. <laughs> maybe, <Yeah. laughs> maybe, maybe it'll be his kryptonite. Oh man, I like it. Let's, we're, we're, I like that. That's like that's that's something on the table there. I think that that's that's wise and that's uh that's pretty funny too. Um, but that's awesome, man. Uh, so let me ask you this too. Uh, if you you know the laser nut car that's independent all the way around. Have yep. you seen that one? Okay. What? How, how do you think something like that would do out here? Uh well, Hollingsworth had one. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I totally forget the fact that that was a completely independent car, and you also had yeah. the Kraken and the Ecotech buggy, both which were very successful. Um, you know, just I forget. The the problem with the, a full IFS car, in my opinion, or IRS, uh, mm-hmm. is that when you get rid of that live rear axle, we take a lot of rolls and tumbles and, you know, we're beating off of stuff really hard. That that live axle back there is usually what comes in contact first for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And it's just, it's something that's sturdy back there. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would, is it possible to build one and it do great? Yeah. Um, but they all got their places they shine. I mean, uh, like you said, if we if we keep drag racing, we might be uh, no telling what, what what we'll be building next. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely understand. Uh, I I agree with you. There's just there's limitless possibilities in in the future. Right now, we're at this point in the sport where it can go so many different directions. There's so much growth happening. There's so many competitive guys like yourself, you know, coming to the table and stepping up, and everybody's changing their vehicles to be more competitive everybody's mentalities are getting a little bit more competitive uh we're at this point where this this is going to take off and it's going to change the direction of the sport in some way and i'm so curious where like everybody thinks it's going and because i'm curious to know when it where it's going to end you know oh yeah it's like i said it all it all depends on everybody uh it it could go it could go south it could go but do i think it will no i think I think in the end of the day, everybody pull together and we'll put on a good show for everybody, and uh, it'll keep, it'll keep growing. Yeah, I agree with you. I very much agree with you. Um, well, Jonathan, that's pretty much all I had planned today uh, in terms of talking points. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to? Oh, I don't. Not. I mean, I don't guess so. Yeah, um, we're just I mean, like I said, man. It's just, I can, just I can, a, I can talk, a conversation. I can talk for days. I can talk for days. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I uh well it's it's funny you say that. I gotta I gotta put one of my, my cars back together. I'm, my R S one that I got uh is for sale and uh if you know anybody that wants it, it's for sale right now, race ready, fully loaded, ready to go. I've got listed well, for do what now? I got a good question. I, I got a question for you. Yeah. Why would you why would you be selling a winning car? So here's the thing, and I've gotten this a couple times since I put it up for sale. Um I had so much fun in that endurance car and in that endurance race that I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either going to build a two seat or I'm going to build a four seat because personally I don't have the race budget that I can dedicate to the sport um, just for the sole fact of it's not something I, I really want to take on right now. We got some other obligations that are going to require some funding. So that being said, me being top of the podium, it's not necessarily on my on my you know gotta have list. What is on my gotta have list is I want to do a race with my wife, 
and I want to either either that or I want to do a race with some of my buddies and have have a first the very first full car four seat four racers in one car in the endurance series and I want to to be honest with you I'd like to race an entire season with four people in the car that'd because, be cool uh, yeah man it has, it, 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 go ahead it has been it has been done though just not a full season. Okay, so that's my thing, is if we can get a full crew in the car, I think it would be awesome for the entire season because, man, I, 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 no one can put into words because up until that point, I've never competitively raced in any fashion in an automotive world. No one can could tell me. I couldn't tell anybody else. You couldn't explain to me what hill killing's like, but I had so much fun in that endurance race, and that was the biggest rush I've ever had in my entire life that I need to share somebody else and even if my wife wants to and i want i want her to race the car sometime like man i gotta get i gotta just get someone i know to do it with me because i need to be able to share that experience with somebody else because man that was just the craziest off the wall most insane experience i've ever had and i can't wait to do it again hey man you might be on to something there you might be able to uh might be you might be on to something uh, share, that, share, share, sharing the experience with people you know you can might be on to something there. Well, I think that uh, you know, I'm I'm so I'm twenty four, I'm about to turn twenty five next month and uh I feel like I'm an I'm an old soul because, you know, I, I uh I just the most important thing in my life is, is my family and spending time with them and uh you know, it's kinda of one of those things that if I can get my family and we can all enjoy something together, that's the that's the conversation we're gonna be having, you know, uh, when I go see my family, we have this. We we always bring up the same subject. We always talk about you know kind of good old jokes and family things we did as a family. And if if I can make one of those things that you know, hey, do you remember that time that we were you know me and my wife or you and me and your mom were out you know racing and this and that and we jumped the razor you know over a ten foot jump and this and that. That's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing to remember on, and that's a an experience that not many people get to have. And uh, again, I got to have it. And I know how much I enjoyed it, and I just I just want to share that experience. I got a lot of guys who I know who they don't even know how much what like what they're missing out on. Oh, it's amazing that people that don't know the sport, if you talk to them and they just kind of look at you like you're weird. Oh man, <laughs> like you're like, like like you've lost your mind. Like yeah. So here, here's a little backstory on me. Uh, I work as an engineer for uh, the Department of Justice, and I work on uh, software. So. I work with a bunch of nerds all day, and I had pictures from Black Dog Photography come back from the AOP race, and I was so excited. I came back and showed it to everybody, and I kind of explained, you know, you're running, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour through a trail that's just 12 feet wide, and, you know, if something happens, you kind of fall off a cliff. If you go race at Windrock in the right places, you fall off a cliff and you die, and, you know, I'm kind of trying to explain the rush that you get, and, you know, people are hitting you in the back while you're not going fast enough, and it's just one of those things, and they're sitting there wide-eyed, just like, you want to die, don't you? Like, that? why would you do this? And I'm like, no, 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 it's not like what, it's not what it sounds like. So that's that's my goal, is, is to be able to, to look at someone and say, hey, man, you know, like, uh, even, you know, I have a couple of kids that, or I want to say kids, a couple of, like, young men a little younger than me that come out of high school that I mentor, and to be able to look at one of those guys and go, hey, man, you want to you come be in the car with me? I ain't going to let you drive, but <laughs> you want to come get yeah. in the car with me and experience this with me? And, uh, man, that, that right there, that idea is just, it's it's keeping me up at night. That's awesome, man. It's, it's, it's nice to hear that somebody wants to share it with uh, people because, like I said, it's hard, it's hard to explain to, to people. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, but like I said, if you know someone looking, that RS1 is an awesome car. Um, you know, when you're selling something, you never want to say it, but that car can handle handle some can handle some power and some abuse. Uh, oh, absolutely. and it's a it's a really great car. So sure. uh, I think I've got it listed right now for fourteen thousand. So I don't if if that doesn't take off or don't have anybody, I'll end up raffling it off for uh, you know for our listeners listening. This is why I'm telling everybody. So you'll buy tickets. Um, I'm going to raffle off some Diet Coke cans, and one can will have a razor key attached to it. I think cans are going to be one hundred and sixty bucks for a can. So uh, you know everybody keep an eye out for that one. That's a that's a steal at fourteen for somebody to get in a race ready rig for sure. You know, man, it's kind of one of those things that, uh, you know, I want it in a raffle. Uh, like I said, we have some family obligations to take care of first, but I'm trying to, you know, pay it forward if I can to some degree and still, you know, kind of take the good fortune that I got. Uh, so I'm trying to make something work for somebody. And if you are interested in it, whoever's listening, uh, message me on Facebook, Instagram at Racing on the Rocks or my own personal page. Uh, we'll work something out for sure. I would love right. to pass on the good fortune that has been given to me. So, um, well, with that, uh, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Anybody you want to give a shout out to? Any sponsors? Any anything like that? Well, no, I don't have any sponsors. Uh, I do it all on my own. I mean, I like to Ooh. thank my wife. For, I like, I like, I like to thank my wife for putting up with it. Uh, <laughs> I was about but, to say, uh, yeah. If you if you've got no sponsors, there is one person you definitely need to thank. <laughs> But, uh, uh, I would like to give a shout out to uh, all the media guys uh, and all the all the media guys and the promoters. Uh, without them guys, we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't exist. Uh, I mean, you got the Black Dogs, the Mad Rams, the Busted Knuckles, uh, Jonathan Wright. I mean, all I mean, all of them guys, the High Octane. Um, without them guys and the promoters, we wouldn't be out here having a good time. So get out there and watch your videos and like them and share them. And uh, hopefully uh, 2020 is going to be a good season and we're going to put on a good show for everybody. Yeah, I uh, I think that I think that you've got the remedy figured out. So uh, with that, we'll kind of close some stuff out. Um, what I'll do is I'm actually going to turn around and call you on my personal line here in just a second uh, after we stop recording. But Jonathan, thanks for being on the show. Uh, super fun. You're a great great guy to interview. I had a blast, uh, and I'm looking forward to next time I interview you. Uh, and hopefully you'll have a couple more wins under your belt, and uh, we can talk about those. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks for having me. No problem. I'll call you in just a few minutes. All right. Hey, everyone. Just want to say thanks again for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, leave us five stars um, wherever you choose to listen and let us know on Facebook. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by WeBuyRides.com. That is an awesome place to get a full cash or trade-in offer for your vehicle. They specialize in diesel, 4x4, or Highline vehicles. Um, the staff there has always been extremely courteous to me. Um, everything has been great. Interactions, response time, everything's been awesome. Uh, very fair to deal with as well. That's WeBuyRides.com with a Z. Um, be sure to check those guys out if you're in the market for either a new vehicle or you're looking to trade your old vehicle away. WeBuyRides.com. You'll be met with the same customer service and satisfaction that I've been. Another sponsor is All Things uh, UTV. All Things UTV is like the one-stop shop for hard parts, programmers, 
performance, uh, comfort, seats, uh, just about everything that you can think of, wheels, tires, axles, suspension components, all things UTV is it. Uh, a lot of you guys already know how good they are. Um, I really, really like doing business with them. I'm glad that they're on board. I'm glad they've chosen to be a part of the show. Dustin and his team are also excellent in the customer service department. Super fast shipping. Uh, I've seen some crazy ship times uh, when people order parts that people typically will get it sooner than they expected. Um, just a really great staff to deal with as well. They now offer in-house powder coating. If I'm not mistaken, it's mostly free when you order a part. Um, and that powder coat is awesome. Comes in a ton of different colors. Uh, really have nothing but positive things to say about everything that I've seen coming out of that shop. Uh, that's All Things UTV on Facebook and Instagram and allthingsutv.com. Tell them Racing on the Rocks and you see what they do for you. Uh, last but not least, Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road has a 25-year you-break-it-they-fix-it warranty on all Infinite Off-Road products. This includes rock lights, pods, light bars, light whips, mirrors with lights in them, wheel rings, everything that you can think of that's Infinite Off-Road branded has that 25-year you-break-it-they-fix-it warranty, even covering accidental damage. Um, bonkers, bonkers, bonkers warranty. Um, but the customer service is super quick. There's pretty much a no question to ask. They'll just ship you something back out. Uh, love doing business with them. You guys know it. I've said it before. I've been doing business with them for now seven years. Uh, really enjoy dealing with Mike. He's a great guy and his team over there. That's infiniteoffroad.com. Uh, they offer a coupon code for all Racing on the Rocks listeners. So uh, code R-O-C-K-S will get you 10% off the entire website and your entire order. Tell them Racing on the Rock sent you. Otherwise, even if you're just interested, reach out to them. Let them know that you're there. Let them know who sent you. But most importantly, thanks for listening to the show. If you don't already follow us, like us on Facebook. That's where all of our information goes out. And make sure that you guys keep an eye out for our first of the year um, contest coming up. Ooh, all right. Have a good one, y'all.